Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Wokeism is on the ropes. Let's put it out of its misery in 22. I think we're going to be in real trouble. I believe that Democrats are going to lose. Large numbers coming in down here at the border. If he lifts Title 42, it will be catastrophic for the United States. What is happening in Ukraine? Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. Tom, Benny, and Clark and you. Lots to talk about today. Big news. Elon Musk pulled it off. He's purchased Twitter and is going private. So he'll be a sole owner. He and the bank will own it. Paid $54.20 per share. What was it trading for just a couple of weeks ago? Like 38 or something like that uh, in january it was in the 30s but then it's been creeping up uh for the last two or three weeks from the after he said mm, he was from interested. the lower oh. 40s on up to uh i think it closed friday at 52 i think well he's paying 54.20 and uh, said I, I guess today was about a six percent increase was that right mm-hmm. something like that so uh, anyway it's interesting too that uh trump has initially said we took a little poll here before we went on the air, but Trump has initially said that he will not return to Twitter, even though Elon Musk has purchased the platform and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be a free speech organization." Twitter is now, and uh, of course, all the wokies that are supposed to be all about tolerance and free speech are all up in arms. But Trump has said he is not going to use Twitter; he is going to use his own Truth Social. But I think the consensus here at News and Views is Trump will be back on Twitter. He's pretty much ha- has to be, I would think. If he's serious about running for re-election, it's, it's uh, too much of a opportunity to reach you know, millions of people. And uh, my hunch is uh, he'll be back on there. It's just too many followers. I mean, yeah. it's, bottom line is you got to go where the customers are, so yeah. to speak. And uh, Yeah, exactly. But... Um, Three cheers for Elon Musk. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's a conservative. I think he's a libertarian. And uh, I'm a libertarian on a lot of issues, some things I disagree with. But uh, it, it is interesting. And we were talking before we went on the air. Liberalism, in the traditional sense, ought to look like a libertarian. That, hey, you know, you ought to be able to say whatever you want to say. Now, see, I, I somewhat disagree with that. I think, you you know, common sense kicks in and, you know, I'd be a libertarian, but I'm not going to say everything I want to say when in inappropriate times. But um, a libertarian and, uh, I mean, a liberal ought to be a libertarian, but they're not. They're, they're totally shutting down free speech. As long as you agree with me, you can say anything you want. That's where today's progressive is. I mean, that's it. And, and you would think during this time of twitter banning donald trump and others um you know anyone that wasn't uh you know, buying everything that fauci said you would think people like the american civil liberties union which which you yeah. think that's what they stand for right but they have proven no. particularly the last 20 years they stand for civil liberties when it's what they believe in exactly <laughs> exactly G.K. Butterfield has endorsed Don Davis in the uh, first congressional district race for the Democrats in their primary. This from the News and Observer. Butterfield chose Davis among the four Democrat candidates vying for the party's nomination. I think it's actually more than four, but there's four that actually look like they have a, a, a shot at it. Of course, the 
The big two are Erica Smith, who ran for U.S. Senate at one point, didn't she? She did. She yeah. ran, uh, I think, when Tom Tillis. I, I think she, so. Last time when, around, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but she was running for Butterfield seat. She has actually raised a lot more money than Don Davis has, probably twice as much. Uh, I think she's up uh, close to eight hundred thousand dollars. Don Davis is about four fifty. The um, but Butterfield said, "Hey, I like Davis. He, uh, I've served for eighteen years. I know what the people of the first district expect from the representatives. I'm confident Don Davis will fight to protect the voting rights." <laughs> blah 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 blah. And Don Davis said uh, that it's extremely humbling that uh, Butterfield would think enough to support our campaign. I don't know Don Davis um, personally, but I've heard a lot of people say now he's a liberal. And we would agree on probably less than 5% of major issues. But I've heard people say that Don Davis is an extremely kind gentleman. I, I think I think he is. I know him fa- fairly well um, t- through my various things in, around town and, and dealing with him on some things. I think uh, Don, and, and I mean, Don can call in and disagree with me, but I think I don't know what Don really is other than Don will be what he needs to be when At he needs time. to be it. Yeah. I, and I just lick his fingers, stick it in the air, and see which way the political winds are blowing. And if, I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, he may be the perfect person to uh, be endorsed by Butterfield because Butterfield has done nothing for his district. Yeah. Nothing other than, you know, get his name on a building uh, like the building here in Greenville and, and that type of thing. But uh, Don Davis is going to do whatever the powers of the Democrat Party tell him to do exactly the way he has performed in, in the North Carolina Senate. Well, I think Plain and simple. I think, well, by the way, so there's Erica Smith, Don Davis, uh, Julian Bishop Sr., and Jason Spriggs. I guess they're the top four. I think there's actually a couple of other Democrats. I don't know who they are. I don't know the names. I think there's eight Republicans running. There's a slew of them. Yeah. And interestingly, I had a chance to talk to Sandy Robertson, who is the mayor of Rocky Mount. And uh, on Friday night, we were at an event, and he was there, and we are talking to him. And he recognizes that running as a Republican in a district that leans Democrat. Now, it used to be likely Democrat. It is now, uh, and in fact, Larry Sabato on Friday said, you know what, I'm going to back off from saying it's likely Democrat to it is leaning Democrat. And, um, you know, I, I, talked to, I talked to Sandy Robertson about that and said, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not an easy win. And he said, no, it's not. He said, but I've done my homework. I've done my due diligence. And I think, I, he said, I wouldn't run if I thought this was an impossible task. To which I would say... If you're going to win in a district that leans Democrat, and by the way, it used to be at one point under Butterfield, it was a minority-majority district. I don't think it's that way now. Hmm. It's It leans Democrat, but I think it's majority uh, white in, in District 1 now. But if there's ever going to be a year that you would win in a district that leans Democrat, it would be and as a Republican, it would be in 2022. Yeah, and then... It makes me think that, um, you know, mid- midterms when there's not a presidential election, um, I mean, what is going to get Democrat voters to get excited to get out and vote? Nothing. And, <laughs> I mean, nothing. I mean, they, they really – I mean, what is – what can the party, you know, hang their hat on for the last two years of the Biden administration? I, I don't know. I think if there's ever – I agree. If there's ever a time – I mean, this could be the time. The funny thing to me 
Um, there were some comments about G.K. Butterfield making such a late endorsement on this. I mean, this is <laughs> this is just purely uh, you know my conspiracy theorist working. Uh, I believe he was just sitting back and said, you know what? Maybe at the last minute I'll announce I'm not going anywhere and I'll be a righty and I can win. And maybe he finally, maybe he finally decided, uh, nah, I better not do that. Well, how old's Butterfield? He's like uh, 70, he's in, yeah, he's 72, mid-70s, 73. I think. Yeah, okay. Early to mid-70s. I mean, uh, after traveling back and forth from uh, District 1 to Washington, D.C. He's been there long how enough. how many years? Yeah. <laughs> he's been there long enough to get a pension. So he's got a couple of pensions going for go. him now because I think he was a judge. He was. That. He was. Um, so this morning... The United States Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case surrounding a former high school football coach who was fired by a Washington school district for kneeling and praying on the field after games. Former coach Joe Kennedy's legal fight with the Bremerton Washington School District began in 2015, and the case has briefly um, reached the Supreme Court in 2019. The justices declined to take it then. I remember talking about this at the time. And we said it doesn't mean it's over. It just means they weren't going to take it then. It needed to go through the court system, which it did. And now the justices have taken it up. Oral argument was earlier today. What was interesting, uh, one of the things that the liberals in the court, I I took the time to listen to the oral arguments. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that liberals in the court seem to lean on is the idea that this coach praying in front of these students would pressure the students to pray with them. Otherwise, they might not get playing time. Uh, he taught math as on, you know, along with coaching. They might not get a good grade in the math class. Um, in, in other words, they were really leaning hard that this is coercion. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. <laughs> you talk about coercion. How many students in high school and college know that they're – teacher is a progressive right a, a big time progressive and they make no bones about it. I mean, we've had stories where teachers get up in the classroom and saying if your parents voted for donald trump they're idiots but and and these these students know if i don't kowtow to my teacher's progressive ideology there's no way i can get an a in this class you talk about coercion where are liberals when it comes to that i mean they're no, it's not to be found the attorney for the school district inferred that this coach praying before students was potentially disastrous. And, and he said, think about this. He said to the, to the chief justice, I mean, to the, to the justices in the Supreme Court, he said, and some of these students were as young as 14. And this coach was praying in front of them. I thought, my gosh, this, this is what we're alarmed at. We have a coach. I mean, we ought to be. Uh, you know, lionizing this guy for praying in front of the students. And this guy tried to make a big day. I mean, how many times have we talked this year about 14-year-olds being exposed to pornography in the public school libraries? Oh, I, I hate to laugh, but you, you said 13 or 14-year-olds. I mean, they want four-year-olds to be able to go yes. to a doctor and say have they their want parish- their parents. Mean- yeah. yeah. <laughs> have their Uncle Willie chopped off. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. But I mean really just think about just think about their argument and and, the, and then the arguments they make on something else where where parents shouldn't even have a choice of their 4-year-old going to a doctor and saying, "Hey, they want their sex change." But 
they're going to be an influence as a 14 year old or, or take or take a, a minor out to get an abortion yeah without and, the and, and none of this with their parents approval and I, I didn't i didn't listen to the arguments today but i did just before i walked in i looked at uh someone's summary of what was talked about today and one of the uh conservative justices you may know which one you know basically said you know what about if a teacher's talking climate change or, oh, yeah. or something or, or oh. kneeling on the side uh, um uh, uh, uh clarence thomas i know asked what about um kneeling on the sidelines um you know what if what if a, a coach did that during the game is that not influencing the children is the does it, would the government be okay with that to that the attorney said well, I don't think that's ever happened before. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. In a school district, you're going to tell me that that's never – I mean, maybe it hasn't, but uh, I, I just I just thought the whole thing was uh, – well, let me put it this way. The good news is I think the justices are going to come out. I don't know that they will give carte blanche to the coach, but I think they will come out and say, look, if this coach wants to go out – and pray by himself in the 50-yard line after the, the it, it is over and is not coercing any of the students to come with him. He can do whatever he wants. And that's appropriate. And, you know, one of the justices, I, I think it was um, – I think it was one of the conservative justices said, well, you know, what if the, what if the teacher was uh, Roman Catholic and went to an Ash Wednesday service – and had the ashes put on their forehead and, you know, the cross, the mark of the cross on their forehead with ashes and went back to school. Is that, is that coercion? Does the, does the student need – I mean, the, the whole thing has gotten so bizarre and such a double standard. <laughs> yeah, and for the last two years when there has been school in session, you have these union educators in states that basically – I mean, kids, if they, if they didn't pray and kneel at the Church of Fauci for the last yes. two years, <laughs> you, I mean, you talking about, about feeling isolated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just— That is the big red flag. Certainly sure is. But um, I, one, one editorial I read, and of course I'm reading the editorial, but it was it was quotes of what the liberal um, attorney. attorney was saying. To me, it seemed like they were arguing like facts of— facts and circumstances of what went on versus you know the the law of freedom and liberty yes at one point it it didn't seem like it was a richard katsky was the guy's name and at one point he said that it was um dangerous um for the students that the that the students who could become physically uh endangered be and what happened was on one occasion when he went out to pray by himself, it was also homecoming. And there was a bunch of people on mm-hmm. the field afterwards for homecoming. And they tried to say the ruckus was caused by the prayer. The um, the, the uh, attorney for the coach came out in his rebuttal and said hey, that had nothing to do with his prayer. <laughs> you, you know what just gave me another thought about this. What, what would the liberals say about uh, – would they go to the – Supreme Court and argue that uh, you know if say a player was uh, you know not kneeling or not to have his hand on his heart during the national anthem doing maybe a BLM protest during the game right. you know would they and maybe all of them were doing except for three or four would they come to the defense of the three or four that wasn't pressured into doing something good it, question it, it's just uh, I, I'm really surprised before the Supreme Court I'm surprised it got this far really. 
By the way, uh, in another case that came out today, the Supreme Court issued an 8-1 decision saying that the residents of Puerto Rico are not entitled to Social Security disability benefits, that um, they actually side with Congress way back when and uh, said that if you're living in a territory of the United States, it doesn't entitle you to uh, the rights of the citizens who live in the, in the United States. And I thought, well, all, all Puerto Ricans have to do is go down and cross the border illegally, and then you can get all you want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just so. go to uh, go across the Rio Grande instead of Bingo. the Caribbean. We got to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. We speak the language of news. Let us translate. They told me to read this. I'm not allowed to go off script or I will get in trouble. When they talk, there are still predictions. How dare you ask me that? I am way smarter than you. I'm up here. You're down there. We'll explain. What unifies us is the nonsense, 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 uh, unintelligible nonsense. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, take a quick look at your weather forecast. Clear skies tonight, a low around 63. Believe it or not, looking um, down the road, we're actually going to hit 60s again towards the end of the week. Tomorrow's going to be warm again, and in the afternoon, expect some thunder boomers to come in. Chance of rain tomorrow night is 70%, and uh, it could uh, get a little, little noisy and a little windy. Uh, Wednesday, some clouds in the morning give way to sunny skies, a high of 72. So the storms coming through tomorrow is going to lower the temperature from the 80s to the 70s. And Thursday's high is only going to be in the 60s. But uh, all in all, I'm not going to complain about the warm weather. I love it. The Biden administration has been telling us continually about how Joe is doing everything to stop Vladimir Putin. His government officials and wealthy oligarchs and, you know, we're, we're just we're slamming them. We're putting sanctions on them like you've never seen before ever. I mean, Biden has said this, you know, that it, it, this is this is unprecedented what he's doing. According to The Wall Street Journal, Alina Kabaeva, I'm sure it's the accent is <laughs> different, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the same zip code. Um, she is. Putin's mistress. And apparently he's fathered at least three children with this woman, according to the United States intelligence. The Biden administration has come out and while they've sanctioned all kinds of oligarchs and Putin himself and people in his administration, they have come out and have refused to sanction this woman, his mistress. And the Biden administration's come out and said, that you know what this could this could you know in the in as we try to get along with Putin this could really uh, it might it might upset the relationships we have with Putin. Uh, he came out and said this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> According to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, Treasury and State Departments typically work together to prepare sanction packages incorporating intelligence and other information. The National Security Council is often uh, often has to sign off on the package before it's announced. The um, girlfriend of Putin, the mistress of Putin, uh, the Treasury Department had uh, prepared the sanctions against her, but the National Security Council made an 11th hour decision to pull her name from the list. 
As the journal notes, U.S. officials debating the move fear that sanctioning Ms. Kabaeva would be deemed so personal a blow to Mr. Putin that it could further escalate tensions between Russia and the United States. How could it possibly get any worse? <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable. How, how, what horse's rear end at the White House made this decision? Well, you know, Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken's been together forever. And speaking of horses rear ends, yeah. And Anthony Blinken, um, I mean, he's got a history with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden seems to never be right on anything. So I don't know why it makes anyone feel feel comfortable oh, yeah. to think it's basically you know Blinken is running. When the, I saw Blinken and Austin was going over to Ukraine, I thought, oh, the poor Ukrainians. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? You know, Austin's a big guy. Yeah. You see how big he looked towards uh, Zelensky? You know, oh, Zelensky's yeah. a small guy. Yeah. But, I mean, I think yeah. uh, I think Austin's like 6'5". Oh, he he, he looks like he's a towering yeah. guy. And, I mean, know? he was – I mean, he was uh, – I mean, I don't necessarily agree with Austin uh, with what he's been doing in the Biden administration. But, he, I mean, he is – Austin's a war hero. And he's a war-battled guy. I yeah. mean, he's, he's not just a Pentagon office guy. Interesting note, speaking of Vladimir Putin, New York Post is reporting that um, more and more people are thinking there's something health-wise wrong with Vladimir Putin. He was, well, he went to a, I mean, first of all, he went to a uh, Russian Orthodox church that is supporting what Putin is doing in Ukraine, by the way. Mm. But uh, he went to a service at the Russian Orthodox church and uh, they were saying he just he didn't look good. He looked like he had the shakes. Uh, you know, it, perhaps he was looking sickly because of fear that he might be struck by lightning being in a church. But um, and then last week there was video of him and he was speaking with Sergi Shoguyu, and um, who is uh, one of his potentates um, over there. But when you looked at the video, Putin was holding a, a, a table. I mean, he wasn't just leaning on it. He was grasping this table hard and never – I mean, it was like a seven-minute video and never let go of the table. Wow. Hmm. And people are speculating maybe he's got Parkinson's and they, that he didn't want to be seen with the shakes. So to avoid that, he was gripping the side, gripping the side of this table. You know, we we um, actually, my wife and I had talked about when he's hadn't made some appearances in the last few months. He looked, uh, he definitely looked like he was heavier, but but his face looked. And I apologize to my medical friends for a, a non medical term, but his face looked puffy looking. Yes, yeah. And he looks like he's, like he'd been on steroids or yeah, something. Yeah, and uh, and also he had that uh, his skin tone just looked kind of yeah. yellow. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably got some health issues going on. Well, uh, yeah. Wow. So we've got Putin over there, and we've got Biden over here. And a guy that's not in, their, in his, I mean, you're assuming he's not in his mental state. You mentioned, you know, the support of the Russian Orthodox Church, and, and I, I don't know. They may, you know, they may support what he is telling them, but they're not getting the truth. No right. one in Russia gets the truth. No. I, I saw that in my time there, reading the papers. I mean, they get fed more lies. They don't. Yeah. They don't even even more than we get. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but even more than we get. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back. Benny Hardy here to take you to the top of the hour. Tom Lamprecht had to run out to a baseball game today. Um, Last week, we talked about Joe Biden and what I call the Biden crime family, or as some are calling Biden Inc., and talked about the mysterious uh, wealth that he created in his days uh, ending after the Obama administration going into just prior to running for president in 2020. And we went into some details of that, and it looks like every day, drip, drip, more information comes out from the emails and the laptop information from Hunter Biden, and more of the news media actually doing their jobs and investigating things that just make you go, what, what's up? Um, over the weekend, the New York Post had a detailed article uh, by John Levine and Miranda Devine that uh, really, after scrutinizing the, the White House logs during the Obama administration of people visiting the White House and visiting Joe Biden, uh, it makes – some of the questions that Republicans have been raising for two years, three years, seem to be there's some there there. Um, as everyone remembers during the presidential election and just prior to 2020, even as far back as 19, when President Biden was asked about his relationship with Hunter and his business dealings, you know, he's made a quote, um, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings, he said in 2019. Well, to his defense, I can certainly believe Joe Biden may not remember that he spoke to his son about his business dealings, but but you you know those those things were suspicious saying that. But out of this New York Post article this weekend, um, they go on to say Hunter Biden's closest business partner made at least 19 visits to the White House and other official locations between 2009 and 2015, including a sit-down with then-Vice President Joe Biden in the West Wing. Now, this is a guy, Eric Swearin, that was uh, one of his, um, Hunter Biden's investment fund partners with Rosemont Seneca, one of his closest investment partners. And Rosemont Seneca is the ones that had, had transactions with the Chinese, with Russia, uh, actually with Ukraine and uh, other foreign, foreign entities, people, members of the Chinese Communist Party. And he, Mr. Swearing's and swearing, excuse me, met with Joe Biden and Joe Biden's staff and Jill Biden uh, 19 times during that time when the president said he did not and he didn't have any knowledge of any business dealings. Um, they go on to say that the emails and the hard drive shows that Joe, that he was also involved in Joe Biden's personal taxes. Last week, we talked about uh, Joe Biden's personal taxes and the lack of transparency, although the White House claims they are transparent with Joe Biden's taxes. The actual corporations and the source of the revenue that's funding Joe Biden's lifestyle has not been so transparent. Also, in October of 2009, just months after Hunter co-founded Rosemont Seneca, Swearing met with Evan Ryan, Vice President Biden's assistant for intergovernmental affairs. While working in the halls with Ryan, uh, Ryan acted as a conduit for Hunter Biden and his cronies, the emails on the hard drive show. Now, interesting enough, who was Ryan? Ryan went on to marry Anthony Blinken, uh, which was a meeting we just talked about. Anthony Blinken has been um, 
Joe Biden, Secretary of State now, but has been with Joe Biden for years on foreign policy issues. She actually married Anthony Blinken. So, I mean, the the way this works is, I mean, everybody's involved in this, it seems like. There's also one email back in 2010 that Ryan received a request from Chris Sloan, Director of Government Relations for the International Union of Partners, advocating that union lawyer Craig Becker be nominated to the National Labor Relations Board. Sloan asked Vice President to press Obama on the issue, and Hunter was cover copied on the email. So here we go, mixing business dealings and governmental affairs. Well, guess what? Obama named Becker to the job through a recess appointment a month later, and at the time, Republicans were all over this, but again, the news media did not say anything about it. Also, in some of the emails between Swearing and uh, Joe Biden's office, it's in July 6, 2010, an email titled JRB Future Memo. Swearing said he was in touch with the vice president about personal, personal financial managers and was eager to, eager to start discussions with him about how to cash in once he left office. Well, maybe he cashed in while in office, and maybe he cashed in through the Biden family with hunter's involvement because i said last week and we've said before joe biden i looked at joe biden's finances when he was the nominee for vice president with barack obama and joe biden essentially had no net worth his net worth was essentially his the present value of his retirement fund with the government and his wife's retirement fund with her government job and he basically had no other assets but he lived a lifestyle that absolutely no way could be supported the amount of income he had each year mortgage to the hilt but hunter had all these business dealings going on and they ramped up once joe biden became a vice president because you know let's face it you can be a senator for 25 30 years but you know you're 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 one one person away from the most powerful person in the world as vice president you have a lot more influence than any other position and that's when Joe Biden's net worth skyrocketed, his income skyrocketed, and I'm not buying it happened from the sale of books that barely could be sold. I mean, thousands of copies sold. The numbers just don't add up. And now that this information is coming out from the laptop and, and the news media is actually doing their jobs where they just ignored it two years ago, now it's going to be interesting as we get to the midterms and if – the poll numbers keep going down, and we look at 2024, and the Democrats think there's no hope, then maybe all of a sudden there will be a lot more stories about this. And, hey, it's the New York Post this weekend, but there were several other sources that are not uh, not just Fox News and, and conservative-leaning outlets. Um, there was several articles over the weekend about the same thing. So I think um, – I think we might be seeing more as we come down down the road. And but you know what? The mainstream media in the, you know, top 3 or 4 networks still talk about Trump and still talk about what's going on in New York with his tax returns. They still will ignore the fact that it's been proven over and over and over again that the Russian collusion issue was a non-issue, it was a made-up issue. Um now Durham, John Durham, is on to Hillary Clinton's campaign and won't let them up. So I think uh, as we roll into the midterms, I think you're going to see these stories get legs 
and uh, you'll be hearing a lot more of things that we have been talking about for two years. Um, and so if you want to talk about that, feel free to call in, 561-8255. I think we've got Tom from Bellhaven on. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Hey, Tom. How are you? Doing fine. Um, you know, I got to thinking about something the other day, and, you know, we spank our children. We don't beat our children. We spank our children to teach them that what they've done is wrong. And you've got what's going on with the, the left losing like they are because losing people, losing votes, but they're still doing the same thing. They're not backing off. And that tells me right there, hey, we know how to cheat. We're going to cheat again. We, we don't have to stop doing this because we'll still be able to do it. Yeah, it's I, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. At some point, um, I mean, your your analogy with child's the same thing, and and of course, it's also like an employee told me one time. An employee told me, he said, "Hey, I'm gonna be as lazy as you let me get away with," and exactly. uh, it's just kind of human nature. If if you keep getting away with this stuff and not held accountable, what's to stop you? And so, so far, um, nothing has stopped them so far, and and it looks like. You know, maybe the only thing that will stop them if the poll numbers get so so bad, and the midterms are just a disaster, then all of a sudden, to save face, the mainstream media, and maybe at the direction of the DNC, say, "Look, Biden's our fall guy. The numbers look bad. The poll numbers look bad. I mean, what can he point to? I mean, what can he hang his hat on uh, that that is success in his first two years in office?" Well, and I agree with you there, and. The other thing I wanted to bring up was you were talking earlier about Putin's mistress um, and not wanting to put those sanctions against him. But I was trying to imagine what it would be like if Kamala Harris was describing this situation. And I could just hear her saying, well, you have Mrs. Putin and she's she's a she's a large woman and then you have the mistress and she's and she's a smaller woman. And and basically that is just wrong. And I could just picture how she would explain this would just be so great. I wish somebody would do it. Well, Tom, Tom last week when I was talking about, um, uh, Biden's tax returns and, and, and the tax returns being released for Biden and Harris, I didn't spend a lot of time on Harris because basically I told myself, you know what, when you can get up in front of the camera and get up in front of people and make a speech and sound like you're not giving a book report for middle school, I'll take your tax return and everything else you do more serious, but right now you're not a story. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, you're exactly right. And talking down to us, they I think we lost Tom there. Yeah, that sounded like a signal loss. Well, that was a good call, Tom. We appreciate uh, appreciate the call in. And, and you know what? We, we, uh, we will be back. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will talk about those falling poll numbers with Biden and what it may mean uh, for the midterm elections. Stay with us. We'll be right back. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. 
for the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news source is news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back uh, on Monday edition of News and Views here on April 25th, 2022. When we left, we talked about Biden's falling poll numbers. And last week, the uh, more just disastrous poll numbers for President Biden, that was the lowest um, had been for any president since Jimmy Carter. There was one time that Trump uh, had some numbers as low. But, but of course, at that time during Trump, he had all the media against him. So it's kind of hard to compare apples to apples. But these are the worst numbers forever uh since um jimmy carter and and having the the mainstream media in your court tells me they're probably really worse than that um new york times columnist uh charles blow claimed that he was truly shocked by the poll that showed president biden with a 33 percent approval rating and it just made uh, me think and I, I saw an article in the federalist by nathaniel blake saying how could anybody be shocked with what's going on with uh, the economy, and it's just a, and with what's happening at the border and inflation, and people that are shocked by have got to be just you know liberals or people that live in the Washington or big metro city bubble or mainstream media bubble. I, I don't know how they don't uh, understand what's going on because I I got a feeling that America, uh, the numbers are probably worse than that, you know. Nathaniel Blake goes on to talk about that, you know, in that Blow's article in the New York Times, he blames Biden for being too much of a decent man. Uh, he was too sober and straightforward rather than a showman. And and Nathaniel Blake brings up a good point in the same thing that I noticed. I mean, Joe Biden, the only reason Joe Biden is not a showman right now is because he don't have the mental, mental capabilities to be a showman. He's been a blowhard bloviator his entire turn time in washington always seeming to be the smart acting like he was the smartest guy in the room he's been nothing but a showman uh i mean his his point of of biden being too much of a decent man is just it's just laughable actually i I can't believe he can say that it's just that again another case where people just don't get it in washington and and also in in the mainstream media Turn away from Biden right quick. Uh, I thought a funny story out of town hall today. A Florida sheriff says a homeowner should shoot burglars to save taxpayer dollars. County sheriff said Thursday that homeowners should use legal force during break-ins to save taxpayers money. The sheriff's remark came after a man from Milton, Florida, was arrested last week following a burglary spree in Pace, Florida. The guy, 32 years old, broke into multiple homes, and the county sheriff says, Harris broke into at least four homes and has active warrants for his violation on probation. So uh, Florida sheriff says uh, it's good for saving taxpayer dollars. Uh, I think he actually, that sheriff might could win some elections in North Carolina because I think people uh, with the crime that's been going on for the last two or three years and certainly ramped up during Joe Biden's time, I think there'd probably be an awful lot of people that would probably agree with them. Um, And hey, you know, at this time when when you have so many Democrats calling for defunding the police, um, it, it, you know, you've got to protect yourself. And a person has the right to protect yourself. They shouldn't take the matter, the matters in their own hands, shouldn't take the law in their own hands, but they need to protect themselves at all times. And uh, that's why I'm a Second Amendment advocate and always have been. Uh, as we close out today, I wanted to finish off on a positive note. Um 
This weekend, I traveled to Virginia to see one of my boys in school, and little did I know I would meet a couple of people that some would say are somewhat famous in their professions and former professional experiences. But more importantly, it would be a meeting of someone few know outside of this local town that have a tremendous impact on me. I met a ray of sunshine that I will not name as having a profound impact on the lives of young men and their families. She was doing so simply because of her love of her fellow man and the fact that she believed she was called by God to do so. She followed this calling after she experienced extreme tragedy and loss of a loved one in her life. This weekend reminded me of the important advice I received from a friend years ago when he experienced tragedy and the loss of someone dear to him, advice that I have shared with many over the years. He told me to stop praying for outcomes, but to pray to God for strength to deal with our daily challenges, losses, and grief. This weekend was an important reminder to me of the importance for praying for strength and direction instead of our own desired outcome. That ray of sunshine I met this weekend has done so, and young men and their families are benefiting from her strength and following God's calling. Um. This weekend, you know, we always meet people as we go about our daily lives, but you you just always meet someone from time to time that just has a profound impact on you. And I'm sure I will experience this person again as I go up to this area. Um, But she, she made a big impact on me this weekend, and it just made me to stop and reflect and we all, all need to think about it. When we have a times when we, we want things to happen and they don't happen, maybe we just need to pray for the strength uh, for direction when, when they don't and we experience uh, tough times. Uh, Tom and I will be back tomorrow for a little bit of news and a lot of views and the happenings of the day. But uh, as we leave here today, um, just remember, as we come to the midterm elections, and and here in the primaries the next uh, few months you know just remember that god's in control that we're not in control and whatever he plans to do he has a plan we may not understand it but he has a plan and we just need to focus on serving him and focusing focusing on doing what his will is and adapting to his will and if he calls us to do something follow his lead just like that person i met this weekend But we will be back tomorrow, same time, for your drive home. Uh, Benny Hardy in today, finishing for Tom Lampert. Tom and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good evening, everybody.